Well, hello and welcome to the April 2016 Epistle podcast. So, medical school and our subsequent training doesn't prepare us for everything. In fact, I'm increasingly thinking it mostly prepares us for dealing with feeling unprepared. Recently, via the blog and on Twitter, we were discussing the differences between medical meanings and the lay use of the same language. So I've learned to be wary when lay folk use a word for which I have a fairly precise medical understanding. Of course, this does mean that I frequently sound like a twit when I hear myself asking questions like, but what do you mean by pain? There are a few descriptions that I thought before medical school were medical, and then afterwards I decided they might not be. And a couple spring to mind whilst reading the April issue of Education and Practice. To my shame, I imagined for some years that concussion was not a real thing. Unfortunately, I've been put well and truly straight in this case, with two excellent papers on the subject. Firstly, Hingley and Ross cover a Canadian guideline on diagnosis and management. Then, paired with this, Kanani and Hartshorn provide a 15-minute consultation on recognition and management. I learned a lot from these two papers. I didn't realise quite how common concussion is, how disruptive and disabling it can become, and I didn't have any idea about the idea, this concept of cognitive rest. I'd say we're quick to be critical of low activity levels of young people, but then this does require us to have a good understanding of the medical consequences of harm experienced in exercise, and I'm pleased that I've had this boost to my knowledge. When I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, I remember people talking in hushed tones about a neighbour or acquaintance who'd had a nervous breakdown. When it failed to come up in my relatively limited mental health training, I reflected on it and assumed that people were just carelessly including a number of possible psychiatric diagnoses, chief of which I figured was probably anxiety and depression in a very broad and sloppy catch-all term, this nervous breakdown. I managed not to need to think about it too much because ultimately I decided to go into paediatrics and then specialise as a general paediatrician. And of course, you don't have to worry too much about mental health in paediatrics, do you? Well, of course you do. And as Max Davey points out in his article in April's issue, Doing More for Mental Health, the attention to mental health is part of our core role, and that to ignore it means that we're not proper paediatricians. His argument, that we're never going to have enough fully trained mental health professionals to meet the needs of children and young people, so we must be prepared to fill the gap so that care is appropriately integrated, is a compelling one. Denial of this is the equivalent of the crusty old paediatrician who once told me, tongue-in-cheek I hope, that my adolescent patients don't have sex. And that's my clunky link, to say that I'd like to have shown him McGregor and Kadar's review of the AAP's contraception for adolescents that's in this issue. Ticks cause tremendous anxiety to families, all of whom, I suspect, have quite a negative lay view of what Tourette's syndrome is. Of course, Tourette's syndrome has a pretty precise diagnosis, and this and other important features are covered in Ong, Mordecai's, and Seal's 15-minute consultation on ticks and Tourette's syndrome in this issue. On this basis, rather on the basis that this will likely be the paper I come back to again and again in my practice, is this month's editor's choice. So, back again to things I didn't come across in medical school. I never figured out why my mother taught me never to sit with my back against a radiator. Anybody got any ideas? If you know the answer to this, or have other things you'd like to discuss or suggest, please get in touch via Twitter, via the blog, or by email. But do go on and enjoy the issue. Bye!